Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Welcome. Today's shear will be about a Pusik and a couple of Rashi comments in Parshas Vayeshev. Of course, in Parshas Vayeshev, Yosef's brothers sell him into slavery, and in their attempt to, to hide their, their crime, they slaughter a, a, a goat, and they dip Yosef's coat into the blood of the goat, and they bring that back to their father Yaakov, and they show it to him. And the Pasuk says, Vayakira, Yaakov recognized the coat. He recognized that famous colorful coat, Vayomer, and he said, Ksenis Bini, this is the Ksenis, this is the cloak of my son. Achalasu, an evil animal has eaten him, a wild animal has eaten him. Taroif, Taraf Yosef. Yosef has been. Nitrof, he has been grabbed by an animal and killed. And of course, this is just the beginning of a whole long adventure, not always of the happiest nature. Here, I'd like to discuss the following Rashi. So Yaakov came to the conclusion, logical conclusion, a reasonable conclusion, that some animal had eaten up Yosef. So Rashi says, ruach A ruach hakodesh, a holy spirit, a, a, a divine inspiration, a little bit of prophecy was nitznitzabai, sparkled within Yaakov. When he said these words, which appeared to be simply a logical conclusion, a reasonable conclusion that he reached, regarding the, the fate of his son. But in fact, there was a little bit of prophecy in what he said here. It says Rashi, Saifa, perhaps it should be Saifo. Yes, in some, in some uh, manuscripts it says Sofo. Shetiskarebo Eishas Poitifar. In the end, in the end of Yosef, in the end of his, somewhere near, closer to the end of his journey, Tisgarebo Eishas Poitifar, the wife of Potiphar will sick will sick him, will chase after him. In other words, that there was a little bit of prophecy here that Yaakov Avinu somehow was able to see into the future that at some point Yosef would go down to Mitzrayim and he would be seduced by his slave owner's wife, the wife of Potiphar. This is why it says, Achalasu. This is the meaning of it. Now Rashi continues. Why didn't Hakadosh Baruch Hu reveal to Yaakov what really had happened? Here we see that that Yaakov was mistaken as to what really happened to Yosef. Why didn't Hakadosh Baruch Hu reveal it to him? Answers Rashi. Because the the the, the, the brothers. They placed a cherem, 
they placed an ex a, a ban of excommunication and they cursed anybody who would reveal the secret to Yaakov. And they joined HaKadosh Baruch Hu with them. Seems to be saying, we'll talk about this, but seems to be saying that they somehow included HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this ban of excommunication. So anyone who reveals to Yaakov the truth about what happened to Yosef will be, will be cursed and ex excommunicated. And that includes Kivyachol, that somehow includes HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not allowed, quote unquote, to reveal the truth to Yaakov. Rashi continues, Avul Yitzchak However, Yitzchak, Yaakov's father, Yosef's grandfather, he did know, Shehuchai, he did know that Yosef was still alive. So of course, then the question is, why didn't he reveal it? Avul Omar, he said, Hey Chagale, how can I reveal this matter? And yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want to reveal it to him. Now there are a number of questions that need to be addressed in this Rashi. Some of them are very, uh, very puzzling questions, very difficult questions. A first question on a very basic level and what I like to call the technical level is that the Pasuk says, Yaakov thought that some sort of wild animal had devoured Yosef, which seems like a very reasonable conclusion because he was shown the, the bloodied coat that, that Yosef had been wearing. So, but yet Rashi chooses to quote here a Midrash, that really the words are indicating that Yaakov had some glimmer perhaps a subconscious glimmer, but somehow his words were shaped by a Ruach HaKodesh, by some sort of uh, prophecy. And that Chaya Ro'ah who is the Chaya Ro'ah? It's referring to Ashes Potiphar. That, that this wife of Potiphar who tried to seduce Yosef and nearly succeeded, uh, she is the Chaya Ro'ah. Why does Rashi uh, seem to move away from the simple pshat and uh, quote here the Midrash. Why does he choose to explain this according to the Midrash? That is one question. Before we answer that, let's go to a, an even bigger question, I think. And that is, well, a second question on a somewhat of a technical level. Now here Rashi says, And why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveal to Yaakov the real truth? So here we have an explicit question that Rashi is asking, somewhat uh, not like his normal, his normal way of, uh, of operations. Usually Rashi does not reveal to us exactly what his questions are. He doesn't uh, articulate what his questions are. He usually simply tells us how to understand the Pasuk. It's our job to go back and figure out what questions prompted him to explain the Pasuk as he did. Here, Rashi somewhat uncharacteristically tells us specifically what his question is. His question is, So that's the second question on this Rashi. Why does Rashi articulate this question? And the biggest question on the Rashi here is what he says, that the, the Shvatim put a ban of excommunication and cursed anyone who would reveal to Yaakov what had really happened and they somehow included a Kodesh Baruch Hu 
with them. So even HaKadosh Baruch Hu was not allowed to reveal to Yaakov the truth. Now, this is this is amazing. How could they possibly do such a thing? What does that even mean? How do you put a ban of excommunication on a Kodesh Baruch Hu? How you do it on other people is perhaps not so simple either, but we can accept that. But how do you force a Kodesh Baruch Hu's hand? How do you forbid a Kodesh Baruch Hu from doing something? This is this is amazing. Of course, Rashi is quoting here from a midrash, but but the midrash has to make some sense. What does it mean? And so I would like to share with you some of the comments of the Gur'ayi on this Rashi uh, due to some technical difficulties, uh, namely that I was extremely busy last night with parent-teacher conferences in the public school where I'm a teacher. So this Shia will not be quite as lengthy nor quite as detailed as usual. Maybe some people will like that, I don't know. But I will not be quite as detailed as usual, but I would like to present some of the Gur'arya here. The first question as to why Rashi, quote unquote, resorts to the Midrash, rather than just understanding in simplicity that Yaakov had concluded that Yosef, uh, that Yaakov concluded that Yosef had been literally eaten up by a wild animal. So Gur'arya here quotes the, the Mizrahi, and he says, if this is not so, it's already written to Rav Taraf Yosef. Gurariya is saying that you see in the Pasuk two points that Yaakov said. He says to Rav Taraf Yosef, he says Yosef has been torn apart, and presumably that means by a wild animal. But he also says, Chaya Achalasu. So Rashi understood that Chaya Achalasu is somewhat superfluous. It would have been sufficient simply to say, why does the Pasuk say that is a hint that is hinting at a different at a different evil wild animal who is going to attempt to harm Yosef and that means this is something of a hint to Aishas Potiphar okay so this is a, a classic uh, instance in which some extra words in a Pusik, a hint at some additional matter. Okay, so that's why Rashi tells us this Midrash, that there was a little sparkling of Ruach HaKodesh included in Yaakov's words, Chaya Ruach and it's a hint to Yosef's adventures, quote-unquote, with Ashes Potiphar. Now, the Maral continues, The morale continues. He raises a different question. Let's read a few words in the morale. This that this Ruach HaKodesh sparkled in Yaakov, even though it had no benefit to anyone, because Yaakov didn't understand this little bit of Ruach HaKodesh that sparkled within him. This was not conscious. So why, why would HaKodesh Baruch Hu somehow force these words of Chaya Ro'o out of Yaakov's mouth if neither Yaakov 
or the people listening to him understood it. So the Maral answers, I'll just paraphrase the Maral. The Maral answers that what it's showing us is how much, how, how, how much of a holy man Yaakov was. Yaakov was such a holy man, such a per- person who was so who was so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Ruach HaKadosh was with him all the time, or very much of the time. Prophecies were enclosed, were enrobed in his words, even when he didn't know it. Even when he spoke just, uh, just everyday mundane kind of words, but there were hints of future events in those words, because that's the, the kind of person he was. That's the, the closeness that he had to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then the Maharal says that this is why Rashi continues with Akasha. Why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveal to Yaakov the real truth about what had happened to Yosef? The Maharal explains that these two points go together. The first thing is that a that Yaakov Avinu was so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that even when he was speaking these mundane words, a certain amount of prophecy was included in the words. So now Rashi has Akasha. His Kasha is, oh, if he was so holy that, that, that prophecy was, was around him at all times, so then why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveal to him what had happened to Yosef? So here we have, I don't have the time now to to fully explain and to give examples and to prove my point, but it is my very strong opinion that although Rashi does not usually articulate his questions, that's only when his question is on the Pasuk. But when the question is on himself, that Rashi didn't expect you to figure out for yourself. When Rashi has a question on himself, he will articulate the question. And here, according to the Gur Aryeh, Rashi's question really is on himself. He started out by saying that Yaakov had a, a little bit of Ruach HaKadosh when he uttered these words, even though it really didn't serve him any good. But this is simply the type of person that Yaakov was. So now Rashi has a question on himself. If he's that type of person that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was constantly revealing to him different secrets, why didn't HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveal to him the secret of what really had happened to Yosef? the Tishkach, as the saying goes, go out and find it. You will see in many places where Rashi's question is not directly on the Pasuk, but is on his own commentary that he will articulate his questions. Now let's go to the most difficult part of this Rashi comment, Rashi's answer to his question, that the reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not reveal to Yaakov the truth about Yosef is because Ishvatim hechrimu v'kilolo. They placed in a ban and they cursed anyone who would reveal this, and they included HaKadosh Baruch Hu with them. The Gur Aryeh goes through quite a bit of pilpul, quite a bit of back and forth. And in the end, he goes through quite a bit of back, of, back and forth with uh, someone named Marik. I believe that's uh, Moreno Harav Yosef Kolon, who wrote some very important Shilas and Shuvas, uh, hundreds of years ago, after quite a bit of back and forth, and he claims the Maral says his approach is better than the Maharik's approach, but then he says something very interesting. 
And all of these words, this is just discussion. Omnum, however, from the Midrash, it would appear that the explanation is not like me and not like the Ma'arik. I think there's an important lesson just from this technical point that the Maral is making. It's very nice to, to throw about svaras, to throw about one's own ideas. But if you find a Midrash, stick with that. And now he explains this Rashi. When Rashi says that they included a Kodesh Borahu in their ban, it doesn't mean that they forbid upon a Kodesh Borahu to reveal the secret. The only point is, is that when, is that Ruvain was not with them in this plot, in this sale of Yosef. To the Midianim. Reuven had separated from, from separated from them at the time, as Rashi explains previously, and Velehoyu Raktes. So there were only nine of the Shvatim left over. There were only nine of them. He says, And a Khairam, a ban of excommunication, does not take effect with just nine people pronouncing it. You need ten. They need a minion in order to, to ban, to forbid upon everybody from, from revealing to Yaakov the truth, they needed to have 10 people. And therefore, and therefore, they included a Kodesh Borahu with them. Now, this is getting into some uh, not so obvious halachic uh, concerns, but we will take the Maral's word for it that in order to pronounce and to make effective such a ban, you need to have a minion. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was able to be the 10th man, so to speak. We have such a concept. We, we find it in Avraham Avinu's negotiations with HaKadosh Baruch Hu regarding the people of Sadaim, that Rashi there says that uh, if there are nine Sadiqim, so Hashem, you can be the 10th, and that will save the city. And we have somewhat of a similar concept in halacha that if you have nine people who would like to read from the Sefer Surah with a minion and there really is no other person, one can add the Sefer Torah as the tenth. I'm going to take the Maharal's uh, halachic expertise at face value that they had only nine and they needed ten. And therefore, they included a Kodesh Baruch they only included a Kodesh Baruch Hu, says the Maral, for quote-unquote technical purposes. They were not forbidding upon a Kodesh Baruch Hu to reveal this secret. Kodesh Baruch Hu can do what he wants. They were adding a Kodesh Baruch Hu to their base din, so to speak, which would declare and make effective this ban. Now, I would only like to add to the, to the words of the Gurariye, the following. There is a question which I did not see any of the Mepharshim addressing, and that is as follows. Rashi says that Yaakov thought that he thought that a bad animal had eaten up Yosef, 
And as we have discussed, Rashi explains that this means that he had a little bit of a Ruach HaKodesh, although it was subconsciously, as the Maral explains, but he had a little bit of prophecy that this is a reference to Aishas Potiphar, who will seduce uh, Yosef. What the Mepharshim that I saw do not address is why, out of all the possibilities, of all the things that could have been at least subconsciously revealed to Yaakov, why this? I mean, the Maral that we, that we discussed, the Maral says that although this was subconscious, although Yaakov didn't, didn't understand this on any conscious level, but he was a person who was so connected to the Ruach HaKadosh that his words were directed to, he was, he was directed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to utter these words, which can be interpreted, which really include within them a hint to this uh, incident with Aishas Potiphar. Okay, but why this particular incident? If the point is that Yaakov is a very holy man and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts into his words certain hints of future events, but there are many future events that could have been hinted at. Why specifically this one? And I would like to suggest the following. Yaakov Avinu at this moment feared for the worst. He, he thought that we have arrived at the worst case scenario, that one of his children is dead. And that's, I mean, that is terrible for any parent. And in particular, Yaakov would have viewed this in very uh, global uh, terms, that, that one of the shifte core, that one of the, the tribes, one of the brothers who was going to be uh, one of the, the fathers of Kalah Yisrael is dead, this was particularly catastrophic. Now, so he is thinking of the worst case scenario. This seems to be the moment that he would have feared most in life, that one of his children would be eliminated. That is on a, let's say on a simple physical level. He thought that one of his children was dead. What is the closest equivalence in spiritual terms to dying, to, to having one of his children die. And I think the answer is the closest equivalent would be that if his one of, one of his children would marry a non-Jew, and when I say a non-Jew, I mean without some sort of conversion. I mean, it is very possible, the, 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 the possibility is considered that Rashi himself discusses it in other places. The question is, who did the Shvatim marry? There would, I mean, there was no whole nation of Jewish women to choose from. So one opinion is, is that they married Canaanites. They married Canaanite women. However, we can assume that they, they, they were not just, uh, pardon the expression, they weren't just shiksas, that they were, they were converted. They were made part of the Jewish family. They were weaned from the Avedah Zorah from which they were raised. I'm not going to go into the halachic process because that's, I don't, I don't know that fully, but in some way they were, they became part of Yaakov's family. But the idea that one of his sons should simply engage in immorality with a non-Jewish woman, that was something extremely frightening to Yaakov. 
And let's be specific about this. Based on a Pusik in Dvorim, I think we'll, uh, we'll ju just uh, point to the Pusik without going into it now. But the Pusik says, well, Pusik in, in Sefer Dvorim, Perak Zion, Mishnah Gimel, uh, Pusik Gimel and Dalit says you should not marry a non Jewish woman. You should not allow your son to marry a non Jewish woman. And Rashi there explains, it's really a Mishnah Meseches Kedushin, that if your son, if a Jewish person, marries a non-Jewish woman, Vlada Kamaisa, the child that, she, that they will produce will be like her. The child will not be Jewish. As Rav Hutna Zichrani Levracha often emphasized that a Jew is always a Jew. Yisrael Yisrael No matter how bad a Jew might be, but he's still a Jew. But there is one way that he can, so to speak, commits, commit suicide and destroy his Jewish identity. And that is, if he would have relations with a non-Jewish woman, the child is not a Jew. This is a kind of a spiritual extinction. And I think perhaps this is what Yaakov Avinu was thinking over here. He was thinking of the worst case scenario. He thought that Yosef had been killed. At that moment, which Ruach HaKodesh was Nitznitzavoy? Which bit of prophecy sparkled with him and within him, at least subconsciously? A different sort of extinction, an extinction that perhaps that Yosef is going to face a challenge where he's going to be very strongly tempted to have relations with a non-Jewish woman, with an idolater, and that the child that they may produce will not be Jewish. And therefore, Yosef, that line of descent will simply be extinguished, and there will be no Jews coming out from Yosef. That was what Yosef, that's what Yaakov, uh, at least subconsciously, was worried about at this moment. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash minagain be more.